Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Today we're going to take a deep dive into what's called the DASH diet. You might have heard of it uh, with our own DASH diet expert, Alyssa Kaufman. Today we have a special guest to our podcast. This is a good friend of mine and exciting young dietitian. I always like to say she's a young dietitian because we're really old. Yes, we are. (laughs) But today we have Alyssa Kaufman with us. She grew up in a small town here in Ohio and she received her bachelor's degree in food and nutrition at Bluffton University, where she also minored in sociology. She graduated from Bluffton in 2017 and moved all the way to the northern world of Brookings, South Dakota, God bless you for that, (laughs) to work on her Master of Science in Nutrition Exercise Science. She also completed her supervised dietetic practice in in South Dakota. Hmm. She completed this combined program in May 2019 and she moved home, which I think is very nice and exciting, (laughs) to start her professional career as a dietitian at our local community health and wellness partners of Logan County. Nice. Alyssa and I had lunch a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me about some of the exciting things she did with the DASH diet, and I thought she would be the perfect person to bring on and talk about this. So welcome to you, Alyssa. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for being here. All right. So can you just tell us a little bit about what is the DASH diet? I see it written up, and I see I know a lot of people, people ask about it. Right. But, like, what does it even stand for? Give us a little bit of history. So the DASH diet stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension, which hypertension is just a scientific term for higher blood pressure. And high blood pressure can be defined as having a blood pressure of 140 over 80. And so with that then, with the diet, we can help lower those numbers Mm -hmm. um, by eating lots more fruits and vegetables, whole grains, and lean meats. So... How did this diet come about? I mean, what yeah. was the kind of, I think we as dietitians all know about more fruits and vegetables and lean meats and those type of things, mm-hmm. but what was kind of the, the scientific rationale behind something like this? So back in the 1990s, early 90s. Way back in those 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't born yet, were you? No, I was not born yet. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> it was just a few years before I was born. Uh, and I'm they depressed. were... <laughs> I was graduating in 1991 (laughs) from Ohio State University. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. They were researching, you know, what's causing this higher blood pressure? Why are we seeing this more common? How is it linked to comorbidities? Uh And we, they were just kind of trying to see, you know, obesity and heart disease. Why is this so much more prevalent now in those 90s and early thousands? So they were researching, you know, is there just one common thing in the diet that's causing this? What may, might it be? And so they researched all these just little things, magnesium, potassium, all these little vitamins and minerals that we don't necessarily mm. think about. And they figured out that it's not just one thing, it's all of them together. Interesting. And so the diet really focused on a low-sodium diet and focused on those fruits and vegetables because they provide the potassium and magnesium and other vitamins and minerals that are essential for body functions. Yeah, you usually just hear about the low-sodium approach to high blood pressure, and you don't think about it in terms of what you need to add, which is what we were talking about on our last (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Dietitians are not about taking away, but more about adding. Adding. Right. right. And I think that's what I really like about this diet is it's not restrictive. It's it, definitely 
you know, have lots of these things, maybe limit a few others, but it's not totally restrictive or taking out one whole category. And I frequently see this diet listed at the top of that U.S. news and news mm -hmm. listing of diets that are out there. Right. Um, so, yeah, we know it's going to be a, a really good, healthy way to eat. But I guess the other thing I, I get questions is how do you implement something like that? So we're going to get to that a little bit later into the, into the episode. So can you give me a little bit about kind of those main components? You mentioned the fruits and vegetables and the lean meats and those, those types of things. But what other parts are there to the DASH diet? Yeah, so it really focuses on uh, fruits and vegetables. But not only just that, it helps with whole grains. Um, so the servings, they're listed out on different different resources that you might research. But for sure, like fruits, they recommend two to three cups a day about four to five servings, really, if we do half cups of fruits at a time. Okay, so that is more than really mm -hmm. what's recommended mm -hmm. in my plate. Yes. Right. Oh, right, okay. Uh -huh. By a serving or two. Uh-huh. And then vegetables is the same thing, four to five servings. And like we said, we want to add lots of different varieties. Mm -hmm. um, I know my plate really breaks it down into how many servings a week a week for dark green leafy vegetables, how many servings mm -hmm. a week for red and orange vegetables, and then starches and beans and other vegetables. Okay. And so I, you know, combined the DASH diet doesn't really do that, but I think having that variety and having the, my mm -hmm. plate tool can help with that as well. Do the fruits and vegetables have to be fresh? They do not have to be fresh. <laughs> so what kind of things can people, I mean, I know mm -hmm. we sort of talk a lot about frozen vegetables on this show mm -hmm. yeah. and how, you know, probably minus sauces, they're mm -hmm. a pretty good right. choice. But what about those cans? Yeah, so canned vegetables can contain higher amounts of sodium. So when I talk about this for, you know, whether it's someone who's watching their budget and maybe can't afford fresh fruits or vegetables all the time, or maybe we live here in these northern states of the Midwest <laughs> where it's not always available in season for the fresh fruits and vegetables. So I tell people, try to look at those cans, um, choose the low sodium options or no salt added lots of times is what's written on those cans of vegetables. You can also drain them and rinse them off and that reduces the sodium content that's in those. And so that can really help with that and watching for that. But I tell people fresh and frozen are definitely better than canned, but when there are some means that maybe aren't as accessible Right. Those are options yeah. to do. Sure. Yeah. Okay. In terms of identifying whole grains, I know we've talked a little bit about this on this show. Whole grains can be tricky to find. Do you have any tips for your patients on how to find those whole grains in the grocery store? So I tell them, look at the ingredient label for sure, below the other nutrition facts on that label. And I tell them, try to look for it as that first ingredient being whole grain flour. Mm -hmm. Try not to look for those words enriched or unbleached or white flour. Um, that's how you can kind of tell with that. I also tell people, you know, maybe not so much focus on wheat so much sometimes, too. I feel like here in America, that's the mm -hmm. large focus is wheat for sure. Mm -hmm. I know Amy probably deals a lot with that, too, with mm -hmm. celiac disease and mm -hmm. her focus. But, you know, I try to tell people, you know, there's other grains out there. There's barley, there's rye, there's oats, sorghum. Um, millet and couscous and quinoa even and mm -hmm. so adding those multi-grains is what we call those can really help influence the diet too um, and add variety from plants. You know you talked a little bit about wheat people feel very comfortable maybe with wheat. Mm -hmm. What if they are sort of like 
quinoa. What do I do with that? <laughs> like, I mean, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I hear frequently even yeah. from my celiac disease right. patients because that's the first thing that, you know, mm-hmm. here's some quinoa. What am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. How do you advise patients to get more involved in those whole grains? You know, I share them with sites that I utilize to find recipes and just try to introduce some new recipes for them and new types of food. Or just using them for, you know, as a topping for a salad is something good, too. And Mm -hmm. um, mixing it with rice as a topping or Mm -hmm. just mixing them together with some of those other grains as well can be helpful. Right. And then, you know, even thinking about ways to have whole grains at other meals. You know, thinking Mm -hmm. about oatmeal at breakfast time or, you know, working oats even into treat foods like cookies Mm -hmm. to make kind Mm -hmm. of pump up the nutrition a little Mm -hmm. bit as opposed to always just flour. Yeah. You know? I love making a chocolate chip cookie with oats and mm-hmm. a little bit of cinnamon. Oh. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel better about it when I eat it. Even though <laughs> yeah. It's still a treat, but it has a little bit of the oats in it. Yeah. Right. I've also used, like, flax seeds and chia seeds as, like, and part of an oatmeal or chocolate chip cookie as mm-hmm. well. And sometimes that adds volume and then also mixes in those omega-3s mm. um, for mm-hmm. the healthy fats. So. Speaking okay. of fats, what kind of fats are recommended on the DASH diet? So we recommend a lot of those omega-3s that are found in the flax seeds found in fatty fish such as salmon. And then they also, walnuts and other common nuts, almonds, pecans, all of those have good um, unsaturated fats in them. And so those are the ones that I lots of times recommend. More of the oils mm-hmm. rather than the butters and the solid fats. Okay. So when we're talking about nuts, though, I mean, if you're thinking about from a low sodium perspective, are you talking, telling people to eat unsalted or can they go with like light salt? Mm-hmm. We, we've gotten in a, a little bad habit of these salt <laughs> and vinegar ones from Blue Diamond, which are a big problem for us. Uh, we eat those a lot. But if you were thinking about like from a sodium perspective, how do you tell people to buy those? Yeah, I tell them to try to find the no salt added or the lightly salted for sure. And, you know, maybe if you do need a little bit more flavor on them, put your own kind of spices on them um, Mm. that maybe don't have as much sodium in them. Making your own mixes Mm. at home can really help with that um, to kind of flavor things and reduce the salt content. Right. Yeah. I love using herbs and spices for that. You do have to be careful. Some of them do have salt added. So, yes. But, yeah. Yeah, and so that would probably be a whole other conversation right. for another time. <laughs> but there are a lot of additives that have mm-hmm. sodium, and there can be a list of all those that you can watch for in those right. herbs and spices. Sure. But yep. okay. making your own seasonings is definitely an option. What about proteins? I mean, I think everybody's, and I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts, everybody's overly <laughs> concerned about protein yeah. and how much they're getting and mm-hmm. they're getting enough. And, you know, right. I think people don't understand how much protein's in stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, an ounce of chicken at seven grams. And so if you eat a three-ounce portion, you're 21 right. grams later. Right. You know, what is the role of protein in the DASH diet? So the role of protein would be helping to... Make sure our muscle mass is maintained Mm -hmm. throughout Mm. our activities throughout the day, making sure we're maintaining that muscle mass and making sure that we utilize that protein for the things that we need it for. Mm. And healing, you know, Mm. and maintaining muscle function would be those two key things. But I think with the amount and stuff, I think it's good to think about when are we eating it and how much are we eating it. 
And so what I mean by that is maybe instead of eating that whole steak at supper time and not eating any other protein throughout the day, maybe try to include some protein at breakfast, a little bit at lunch, maybe at a snack as well, rather than eating it all at once. We, as Americans, I find that we do maybe our biggest meal is when we eat that biggest amount of protein. And sometimes mm -hmm. if that goes above the recommended amount of 20 to 30 grams, our bodies can't utilize it to the best of its ability. Is red meat allowed? I mean, I know we talk about Mediterranean and those mm -hmm. types of things. Where does red meat fit into the DASH diet? Does it? I mean. So the red meat can fit into the DASH diet, and that is where, when I was out in South Dakota, that was part of my thesis, was utilizing pork and beef in the DASH diet, which is uncommon. A lot of it is focused mm. on the chicken, the turkey, and the fish. And we found that using lean pork or lean beef really did benefit our or participants in this study and I think as a professional I would recommend a variety of meats you know mm -hmm. you don't want to just eat beef every single day you don't want to eat pork every single day I think having that variety of chicken turkey mm -hmm. pork beef fish all of a variety in the week really helps with that so I think, you know, I do recommend those leaner meats of the chicken and turkey more so, but I think red meat can fit in every now and then in the DASH diet. Okay. What about non-meat sources of protein? Things like, do eggs fit into this? I know we think, you know, maybe this isn't as much of a concern now. People worry about eggs and heart disease and those types of right. things. Where do things like eggs and, and peanut butter and those and cheese? Oh, cheese. Cheese. I ask about cheese. Oh, yeah. Where does that fit in? Because cheese, I, I got to <laughs> right. know. Right. Cheese is high in salt. So tell me where yeah. that would fit in. Yeah. yeah. So the cheese, let's start with that. That would fit into the dairy category. And they recommend two to three cups a day of dairy. And that could include yogurt, milk, mm -hmm. and cheese, um, okay. any of those products. So maybe, you know, maybe not doing cheese every day. Or when you go shopping, you can find low-salt cheese um, as well mm -hmm. and making sure you choose those ones. Okay. And I tell people try to go for, like, the whole block cheese rather than the shredded cheese and shred it on your own or grate it on your own can help reducing some of those additives and the added salt in the shredded cheese. Oh, okay. So... Is it the fat content then, or is it the sodium content that we would want to be worried about with cheese? And, you know, because you think about calorie content and fat mm -hmm. content, is it really the focus needs to be more on the salt than, like, you know, buying a package of, like, reduced fat cheddar yeah. versus lower sodium cheddar? What would be your recommendation? I think, I think it's both. If we're looking at calories, I would definitely... Make sure you're watching the fat since fat is more calorically dense compared to carbohydrates or mm -hmm. proteins. Mm -hmm. But I think looking at both, especially if your goal for this diet is to lower your blood pressure, definitely looking at the salt. Okay. Yeah, as the most kind of important As the most thing. important. I get a lot of confusion from a lot of people when they start looking at fast nutrition facts label, and I think it's helpful to say this is the most important thing to maybe look for mm -hmm. because otherwise if you're trying to look at the sodium content and the fat content and <laughs> the yeah. cholesterol, it gets a little too much. And so, okay. So this yeah, I think is... knowing your goals and what right. it has in mind. You know, if your goal is to lower your blood pressure, looking at salt content. Mm -hmm. If your goal is to maybe lose a little bit of weight, maybe mm -hmm. that's when you look at more of the calories yeah. and the fat content. Yep. If your goal is to lower your blood sugars and manage diabetes better, then mm -hmm. we'd be looking at the carbs. Yep. So I think it all yeah. just depends on what your individual goal is for yep. sure. Yep. Okay. In terms of sodium in the DASH diet, we've talked a little bit about that already. 
you know, I know you see this, I see this, I'm sure you do as well. People say, well, I don't use the salt shaker. You know, my mom the other day, God bless her. I don't use a salt shaker. Well, that's great. What else do you eat? Right. Um, well, uh, when know. I when I was in school right. back in 1991, <laughs> the recommendation was to take away the salt shaker because that was where most of our salt was coming from. But 20 years later, the folks. years later. Sorry, 30 years. <laughs> well, well, but it changed 20 years okay, after I got it. Done. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> yes, it is later. Thank yes, you very is. much, Amy. <laughs> but, you know, w- after that, it became, we don't, th- salt at the table all of a sudden, they got, everyone got that message. Now it's the processed foods and the foods that have mm-hmm. the sodium content in it that you need to be more mm-hmm. attentive to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at statistics, and I don't know exactly when these are from, but they say 77% of our processed and restaurant food is where most of our salt comes from. Right. Yep. I've seen That's that. what I've seen. Yeah. Whereas 12% of it is found naturally in products. Some natural products that it is found in is those dairy products. And then 6% comes from when we're adding it to our food while eating. And then wow. 5% is coming from <laughs> utilizing it in our own kitchens for home cooking. So wow. really, if we look at those percentages, right. three quarters of it is coming from going out to eat or buying processed meals and mm. things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Good point on the eating out. Yep. Because they don't care how much salt they They want you to like it. <laughs> so. It's also a, a learned like taste. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. So let's say you have somebody who's given up the salt shaker already. That's a great first step. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe let's backtrack. Let's say somebody who's still using that salt shaker. What is your first tip to getting away from the salt shaker if they're still doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's products out there. One common one is Mrs. Dash, um, yeah. and that can be a salt substitute to use. Mm-hmm. The other thing is going back to those making your own herbs and spices or buying some fresh cilantro or ginger to add to um, dishes can really help with some of those taste mm-hmm. factors. Okay, can I back up for a second? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Dash, was Mrs. Dash literally created for the Dash diet? Like, is there a tie there? I, I do not know. I don't know. I just, it just hit me like, for a second. I was like, because yeah. uh-huh. we've been re- recommending that for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's ironic. It is ironic. You may have <laughs> to look that up. <laughs> Google will okay. be able to help us, I'm sure. Yes. So using those herbs and spices is great. You know, do you have any tips for herbs and spices? I know there's, you know, a difference between using dried versus fresh mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. you'd want to use those things. If you're like me and you have a cabinet full of spices that may have moved from a previous house with me, you know, <laughs> that I sold in 2016, um, at what point should you pitch those spices? What are your, your thoughts on that? I mean, I use a lot more dried rather than fresh Mm -hmm. um, just for my feasibility and where I'm at in life. But I think using both is really great. It's just with the dried and some of those mixes, you have to be careful making sure there isn't other salt products in Mm -hmm. them. Um, They do have those hidden names. (laughs) Well, and you think about like garlic salt and Mm -hmm. onion salt Mm -hmm. and seasoned salt and um, those things. I mean, yes, there's the salt name, but sometimes you don't think about those as being salt. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As well. Yeah, and so with like the garlic salt, for instance, try to choose the ones that say garlic powder, and lots of times those aren't going to contain as much salt, or if any. Or if any, yeah. Good. Is there okay. a relation? She's looking this up. I did look it up. Now, <laughs> according to Wikipedia. <laughs> well, that we always trust them. Right. <laughs> uh, it was a brand named, uh, 
brand name introduced in 1983. Ooh, it predates the Dash it Diet. It does predate the Dash Diet. Oh. And so it did say before settling on the name Mrs. Dash, the company did consider the name Mrs. Pinch. So oh, that's too I would funny. say it has nothing to do with the But what the a Dash. great yeah. tie-in. Yeah. Sorry. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, okay, so they're going to get away from the salt shaker by using more herbs. Now we kind of attack those processed foods. Do you have any tips on, you know, getting away from box mac and cheese and getting away from those types of things that we all, I think, rely on yeah. at some point in our daily lives? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know, some of the common ones, like I said, you know, when you buy the canned foods, making sure we drain and rinse them and choosing the no salt added. Another common one I share with lots of my patients is buying just regular tomato sauce. No salt added, of right. course. Uh-huh. And then buying their hot packets of like Italian seasoning and stuff yeah. that you can buy and add that to your sauce rather mm-hmm. than buying the the ragu or the prego because a lot of those spaghetti mm-hmm. and pizza sauces have a lot of added stuff to them. Mm-hmm. And sugar. Yeah, they have yeah. salt and, and sugar. sugar. Yeah. yeah, which again doesn't feel like it needs to be there. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a common one I tell people and something pretty doable. I mean, a can of tomato sauce is probably going to be actually cheaper than some of that ragu or prego or even the generic brand spaghetti right. sauce. Yeah. And they have the spaghetti sauce too that already has some spices added, but mm-hmm. would you recommend not using that? Because I've noticed that those tend to have more salt added yeah. to them too yeah. than just doing what you just mm-hmm. said which is buy the plain tomato sauce and then add the yeah and um, so that's a really common one i utilize mm. across the board for diabetes or for hypertension because mm. you're going to warm it up and cook it anyway right. it's going to mix mm-hmm. in and yeah. you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yep perfect. i like to start with uh we have a family recipe for tomato sauce that starts with crushed peppers mm-hmm. or crushed tomatoes sorry instead of like the tomato sauce yeah and it just gives a little more texture and that's another good idea too yeah mm-hmm. and you can add your own tomatoes and peppers and onions and garlic right. to it too mm-hmm. and make it even more flavorful because mm-hmm. um, we always like that flavor yeah yeah awesome so what kind of benefits i know you did your thesis on this what kind of and maybe you can speak from even that experience I mean, if we're talking about numbers, mm-hmm. you know, says he said, okay, my blood pressure is currently 140 over 94. If I do the DASH diet for X number of weeks, what kind of improvements could I expect to see? So research has shown that you can improve your blood pressure by 6 to 11 units. Okay. Um, so if, say, for an example, it's 145 mm-hmm. over 80, you could reduce that to about the 130s to over 80. And that's not terrible yet um but it still lowers it for sure and with Mm -hmm. my research i did see a decrease um not quite the six to eleven like Mm -hmm. they had research but it was about two to three drop units and so that they're on the right path at that point right and And how what was the time frame on that was that That was a 12-week study okay and that had no activity involved with it it was just strictly a controlled feeding study okay um, where we controlled the amount in food that they ate so uh-huh. really with that mixed in with the physical activity that right. we'll talk about really combine those two together could would see. really benefit uh-huh right. yeah in 12 weeks that's pretty mm-hmm. quick right yeah. So that's if good. you were, you know, combine that, like you said, with physical activity, you could bring it down a few more points. You lose a little bit of weight. Sometimes that'll bring it down a little right. bit, a few more right. points. Right. So when the doctor says, let's wait until the next visit and then we'll talk about medication. Yes. This is when you could see some changes and bring it down maybe. I and love then, that. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it most really doctors, can. unless it's sky high. Right. They're going to give you some time. Right. Mm-hmm. Diet and, and exercise. Definitely give you 12 yeah. weeks. Yeah. So that's that's that that's very exciting. Yep. 
What are some of the other benefits that we see in terms of, of the DASH diet besides that lowering of that blood pressure? Mm -hmm. So other benefits I think we see is it's not super restrictive. It doesn't take out one whole food group, kind of like some of these other common diets right now, mm -hmm. like the keto diet or Atkins or paleo. They really, those ones really focus on one food group, whereas this one I think it's overall, and I really like that. So I think that's one benefit overall. It can be really heart healthy. Um, hypertension is one of those key indicators of maybe heart disease mm -hmm. in the future. And so if we can lower that hypertension, that reduces the risk of heart disease later on. So then those can then coordinate with better blood sugar control, um, can help with weight management and lowering some of that. You know, even just a little bit, five pounds or 10 pounds can really be beneficial for anybody. Did yeah. you happen to see any of that with your study? Did you look at that, those things too? So we did were, okay. look at weight um, and BMI, uh -huh. and we did see um, BMI overall lowered. Um, uh -huh. A lot of our participants say they were obese. They went to a BMI of being only overweight at that point. Oh, wow. And so it really did drop, I think, two to three units overall on average with that. Wow. And That's, that like, was really cool yeah. to see like because like that I said wasn't there the wasn't focus, activity right. and that wasn't the focus but right. that was one of the things that we did mm -hmm. see as a benefit okay um, and then I think it does help with better blood sugar control I think some people though with the DASH diet they do see that higher servings of whole grains they see the higher servings of fruits and they're like oh how's that going to affect my blood sugar uh -huh. and I think sometimes you know as long as we focus on the whole grains with the fiber and stuff I think that would really help the blood sugar control as well yeah, yeah and for so sure. overall, hypertension, blood sugar. Weight, I don't think that surprises us dietitians. To, yeah, yeah. But, I think, <laughs> but yeah, if you're eating less, mm -hmm. you know, processed foods that are going to have mm -hmm. sometimes be right. higher in carbohydrate. If you're doing the spaghetti right. sauce the way you mm -hmm. suggested, right. you're not giving the added carbohydrates in a spaghetti mm -hmm. sauce where they don't belong anyway. Right. Um, yeah. You can mm -hmm. you, you save some of those carbohydrates for more fruit. Mm -hmm. But also think about the nutrient density of right. this diet. Right. You know, you're eating a lot of fruit. You're filling up on fruits and vegetables. You're right. not going to be, hopefully, then hitting cookies right. later. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, the, and speaking about the cookies and some of the sweets, the diet does say, you know, limit it to about two or less a week. Um, okay. So it's not saying that you can't ever have a sweet dessert or if you do go out for something special, yeah. but just say try to limit it to yeah. um, two times or less a week and try to get it more from the fruits. Very good. Mm-hmm. What about kids and the DASH diet? You mentioned that, you know, hmm. that this might work for the whole family. Yeah, it's not so restrictive, so right. maybe it's good mm -hmm. for the whole family. Yeah, so I think with the kids, um, we'd have to watch making sure that obviously their calorie levels are a little bit lower, say, than an adult or differ. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have to watch some of those servings, I think. But I think overall, it's a very family-friendly diet that we can all do together and for sure. So. Yep. What about, you know, kind of the budget? We've talked a little bit about those frozen things and maybe occasionally working in the cans, but maybe what other suggestions do you have for sort of being mindful in the budget with Dash? Because if you think about if you're buying lots of fresh meats and mm -hmm. or frozen meats and things like that, that can add up quickly. Mm -hmm. What are some of your tips for budgeting? Yeah, so, I mean, I look at it from trying to buy in bulk, whether you go to Costco or Sam's Club or even just mm -hmm. Walmart, you can buy a little bit more meat at a time and freeze it yourself be mm -hmm. one thing. I, I actually worked with a patient the other day who I kind of just did some math of, 
What does canned chicken cost per ounce versus frozen chicken per ounce versus fresh chicken per ounce? And the fresh chicken overall, even though it was like that $10 right then and there, mm -hmm. it was only like 0.17 cents per ounce compared to the others that were like 40 cents per ounce. Hmm. So looking at it more long-term, I think is yeah. key. I know that can be really hard to wrap our minds around because mm -hmm. um, we do think right away, oh, that 99 cent can of chicken probably is cheaper, but really, is it? Because you're only utilizing right, it probably one time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Rather thoughts. than yeah. the fresh chicken, you can get maybe two or three meals out of it. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the barriers that you see, and maybe you saw this in your study, maybe or maybe not because you were, you were feeding these people, and that's helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you ever gotten pushback or feel like, oh, this doesn't work for me because X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. what kind of barriers do you see? I mean, I do think cost is always a barrier for people. And I think sometimes access to the store. Yes. Living mm. in, and well, I guess growing up in a small town in a rural county, I experienced you know, I didn't experience it necessarily myself, but I could definitely see a lot of my neighbors and classmates who probably experienced some food insecurity and food access issues and transportation. Living in South Dakota, I experienced it even more. Mm. And so I think that has definitely something to do with it. Another thing is, I feel like if we forget, some people might not have an oven or a stove to cook with. They might only have a microwave or a toaster oven. And so working with those things, you know, they might have to do frozen meals. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely see that something being a barrier for some people to be able to mm -hmm. utilize this diet. Is it possible to do frozen meals? Let's say you have somebody who's maybe has limited cooking skills or is maybe a little bit more elderly. Mm -hmm. I see this a mm -hmm. lot, and I know mm -hmm. you do as well, you know, where microwave dinners are kind of the thing yeah you know or maybe at least once a day they're consuming a microwave dinner just for ease of, right. of cooking or yeah. energy is there any particular brands that you would recommend working with or anything they maybe they need to look for on the label yeah I mean again looking at that sodium I would say maybe the healthy choice meals even mm. they say the healthy choice they can be still high in sodium but mm. I think they do try to keep it a little bit lower compared to some of the uh, hungry man ones or Jimmy <laughs> Dean or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's comparing labels at that point and mm -hmm. seeing what's good for Which you. One's better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe some of those tips for eating out. We haven't really talked about eating out and we know that you had mentioned this earlier that eating out is one of those things where salt can be added where you least expect it or mm -hmm. you don't have control. Um, of you know what you're eating at that mm -hmm. point what do you say to waiters like what do you say to if you have the opportunity to talk to the person that's cooking your food about reducing the sodium in your food well I'm just you know sodium and maybe other some general tips if say you're getting side of rice on the menu maybe ask for brown rice or a mixed rice rather than just pure white mm -hmm. um, would be an idea um, trying to choose unbreaded meats. I feel like that's a, where a large part of that sodium mm. is at, is a breaded chicken sandwich or mm. some uh, breaded chicken nuggets or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. That breading adds a lot of salt content. So if we try to mm. choose the ones that are unbreaded on the menu, that can help with that. Trying to choose whole veggies instead of breaded or fried veggies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, choosing a sweet potato or baked potato instead of french fries can help with that. Mm -hmm. I could see the baked potato seeing a lot less sodium on it than the mm -hmm. french fries. Yeah. And choosing thin crust over thick crust pizza mm -hmm. is one way to 
utilize this. And some other ideas would be asking for sauces and dressings on the mm -hmm. side mm -hmm. rather than on top of the meat or salad. And choosing sherbet or frozen yogurt and f or fruit versus ice cream can be ways to reduce some of that sugar, not necessarily the salt, but okay. I think that can help with some of those, right. adding in those whole fruits and whole mm -hmm. stuff instead of the thick, fatty ice cream. Right, yeah. I always wonder, the more, because this diet, when you talk about reducing the sodium, but we're also really talking about increasing your fruits and vegetables significant because mm -hmm. let's be honest most of us are more like two to three servings of vegetables and fruit and fruit on combined a good, on, a good day. on a good day combined right and so you're asking them eight to ten servings of fruits and vegetables combined mm -hmm. so when we add in those fruits and vegetables how much of that can can combat some of that processed meat issue mm -hmm. or the you know if somebody who has to do the frozen foods or eating out when the focus is on the fruits and vegetables I wonder you know what mm -hmm. I mean I don't know if you came across that with their your thesis and research um, of, I mean the participants we were feeding them and preparing their meals for them but I've you know comments that they would say to me would be you know this is such a different lifestyle than what I'm used to and it you know I feel yeah. just so much better I'm not seeing the pounds lost or any of that matter but mm -hmm. they just felt better about themselves and mm -hmm. they felt better that there yeah. wasn't a bunch of added salt and stuff to it and I think that you know boosted their confidence about mm -hmm. it but also is like this is doable after the study right yeah, yeah. kind of and I think they did find at first like you know, the portion sizes were different than what, what they might have been. Some of the older ladies who came in, they'd be like, this is so much food. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not really that much food. It's just probably that you're used to maybe snacking all day mm -hmm. rather than eating three meals with two snacks. Yeah. And that was kind of our study design was yeah. three meals a day and two snacks. Okay. And they were just like, oh, maybe that's it. And But by the time they got to the six to eight week, they were used to it and they weren't as hungry. Mm -hmm. They weren't, um, hmm. they, they developed better yeah. to it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm okay. seeing more on restaurant menus. I don't know if you are even and just kind of places we go in at home, you know, like offerings of vegetables on the side or, you know, sauteed spinach or those. I always mm -hmm. get real excited yeah. when I see that kind of stuff <laughs> where you can sub that stuff out for French fries or, mm -hmm. you know, or a higher sodium soup and then, you know, put in a side of vegetables or an extra side of vegetables, mm -hmm. you know. My mom's big on the bits, like the vegetable plates, you know, where she can get three yes. or four different kinds mm -hmm. of vegetables. And I think, mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. It's just a great way to get more veggies into your diet, mm -hmm. you know, without, and then restaurants, I think, are being maybe more accommodating of that now. Yeah. Probably, and in some ways, we may have keto to thank for some of this. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, yeah. You know, really, <laughs> you know, people aren't eating French fries because they're high in carbs. Right. And so now maybe they do want that they side They need of those other options. Right. They want that side of broccoli or that side of spinach because okay thank you keto thank you keto, <laughs> yeah, thank you keto. and that's the last that's time the last time i'm gonna thank you keto. Okay. maybe we're seeing some of that benefit yeah maybe you're right i don't know that's all. i can't even i can feel like i'm gonna take a shower moving on wow <laughs> so are there additional practical tips that you have for implementing dash in the home you know, let's say somebody wants to go home and start this or, you know, or do you have tips for like, you know, patients who are not quite ready to do the whole controlled feeding study right, right. and they maybe just want to do <laughs> right. a few things. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, some things I do even on my own, not that I follow this diet strictly, but I do try to watch some of those things. Um, preparing your own trail mixes at home is one oh. good thing. You can do mm. your own kind of snack packs. My favorites are using multigrain Cheerios or whole grain life cereal and putting in some of my own dried fruit and unsalted nuts with that. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to do that. And, yeah. you know, helpful for any age group, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just an easy snack on the go or an additional part of your meal at that point. And then, you know, just trying to choose some fruits and vegetables as snacks. It can be hard, but I think it is, you know, having an apple with you at work on your desk, you know, you're more likely going to eat that rather mm-hmm. if you had a bag of chips there instead. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, vending machine. <laughs> or the oh, vending right. machine. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And, you know, some other tips, you know, if you're doing it as a family, making your own homemade pizza at home can be a good idea. You can control how much is going into the dough and trying to choose some of your own toppings Mm -hmm. and trying to make it more of a veggie pizza rather than a super greasy, salty pizza, even Mm -hmm. though that's good every now and then. But they are so much. But it could be a family. Yeah, they are. And it could be done as a family activity. Get those kids involved in the kitchen because that's how they're going to learn as well. Yeah, I like that idea. You're going to share some of your resources from the DASH diet in our show notes, and um, we will include those. uh, You know, when you uh, get to the podcast, you'll be able to click on some of Mm -hmm. Alyssa's favorite resources. Do you have anything else you want to share about the DASH diet? Anything that you found particularly interesting or that you feel like our listeners would benefit from? Yeah, I think it's just important to remember that salt is beneficial to us. It does have a function in our body. It's an electrolyte, and we do lose some of it through our fluids, such as sweat and everything. So it is necessary to replace, but we're just finding that we're probably replacing it at double or triple the amount that we should. Right. Um, So just, you know, thinking that it is still functioning, you don't want to totally delete it out of your life. Right. But maybe just watch it a little bit better. I do recommend about... You know, we need about 1,500 milligrams a day. Lots of us probably eat more than 3,000 milligrams a day. Mm -hmm. So just beware of this. Beware of that. Even if you only drop it down to 2,000 milligrams, that's still benefiting you Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, So just some numbers to throw out there and making sure that you don't totally... You don't have to go Delete to zero. It. Yeah, right. you don't have to, you go, don't to have to go to zero. <laughs> but right. and that, honestly, yeah. really, that makes me, this old dietitian <laughs> over here, makes me feel like we have made some progress in this field then. Mm-hmm. Because right. when I was in school, it was the average American, I think, was consuming four to six grams or 4,000 to 6,000 milligrams of mm-hmm. sodium a day. Right. And so now you're saying most of us are like three to four, probably mm-hmm. um, right. a typical American. So we've made some good progress. I feel like there are more options now, too. You know, again, um, I, I, I love that I can buy no salt added beans. Love mm-hmm. it. Right. I can buy it like See, at little that, tiny grocery stores that I used to mm-hmm. not have yeah. to go to the like Whole Foods you know, right. to buy those things. Right. And I don't have to do that right. anymore. Because the manufacturers have to help us out here. Otherwise, there's no way somebody with high blood pressure can get their sodium down to 1,500 mm-hmm. milligrams. That's what we learned when that came out about 10 years ago. Right. It was. There's going to have to be better options How out How are there. we going to do that? Because just with the food supply as it was at that time, that was not going to happen. Right. And these days, there are a whole lot more uh, helpful products on the market. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I think that just about covers most yeah. of it. <laughs> Good. If you have 
other questions about the DASH diet, I know Alyssa will be available to answer questions. So you yeah. can email us at dish at secretliferd.com and I can pass those on to her and then send them back to you. Yeah. Thank um, you, Alyssa. Thanks yes. for being here. And I appreciate Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> appreciate your time and appreciate always hearing from these young dietitians because yeah. eventually you're going to have to hand this whole thing over to that's right. people like Alyssa. Yep. And that's I'm very right. excited to be able to do that. So. Yes. <laughs> um, if you have future show ideas, you can visit our website at www.secretliferd.com. Again, you can use our email address, dish at secretliferd.com. You can visit us on Instagram at The Secret Life Dietitians or on Twitter at at T Dietitians. We look forward to seeing you uh, wherever you get your podcasts.